Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, Beatles fans, or whatever time it is that you're going to be watching the show. Hello. Hello. Is this Jim Barrow? Barrow. It is Jim Barrow. Barrow. We're we're on the air and we're recording, Jim. Sorry, I didn't catch you. You know, your email just reminded me. I'm sorry. I'm going to edit this all out right now. um, What we're doing, so. I apologize. I, I, I took a nap. <laughs> that's quite um, all right, yeah. That's what so, uh, that's what my high school girlfriends uh, used to tell me when I'd come by to pick them up. They wouldn't answer the door, and they'd call me later and say, I'm sorry, I took a nap. And, no, just kidding. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll get right into it. When you hear a woman counting down the seconds to the end of the show, please ignore her because it will – it doesn't matter. We can talk, continue to talk. Okay. And everything. <laughs> sure. So there's nothing else. So I'm going to, I'm going to start over on my little speech here. Cause I, you know, my opening, opening, uh, uh, speech. Okay. And then I'll just start right in. Well, As I said, I'll, I'll edit sure, out this sure. part for you. So, so, I mean, so you're saying we're live, but we're not live. We're recording. Okay. This is yeah, recording right now. So, so you can usually, good. You usually can. I call ten minutes early and then it counts down and it tells you when it's going to start recording at exactly yeah, four good. o'clock. Yeah, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Because you can edit out the part about the uh, high school girlfriends too. That's probably oh, not no, something. No, no, no. I'm just going to I'm going to take that clip and I'm going to keep replaying <laughs> it and then I'm going to make a copy of it. I'm, I'm going to put it put it online. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Send yeah, it to I'm, Terry I'm too and he'll wall. find it. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Um. <laughs> Okay. Welcome back, Beatles fans, to episode 42 of I Saw the Beatles. This week's special guest is Jim Berzow. I hope I got that right. Jim saw the Beatles in 1966 in St. Louis. So let's hear his story from a, a guy. We've had a lot of girls on the show the past couple of weeks, so it's time to get the guy's opinion again. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am doing just uh, great. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm wide awake now. I, I uh, good. All, all napped and ready, ready for a great story <laughs> from you. So, how old were you when the Beatles Beatles came around when you first discovered them? You know, I was in seventh grade. Um, mm-hmm. The s- second half of the. Um, well, actually, the first half of the, my seventh grade year it was 1963, and um, the radio started playing Beatles songs and um, didn't think too much about it. We kind of liked uh, the sound of it, and me and my mm-hmm. buddies. 
And then, you know, uh, when 64 rolled around and they were on the Ed Sullivan show, uh, everyone immediately, at least all the, the boys uh, did, started growing their hair long because back then it was like short haircuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. for me in particular, my hair started growing, couldn't grow fast enough, but we all grew what uh, we could uh, that our parents would allow. But my parents were pretty pretty easy going, so I ended up with a Beatles haircut. And they even bought me Beatle boots, and then I had to play air guitar for a while until they actually bought me a guitar, and that was the start of it um, right there. Wow. And, and so I was, 12 year, I was about 12 years old. Or 12, okay. 13. So, so at 12, though, boys, you know, I, I guess this wasn't for the girls. It was just for the cool factor back uh, then? N- no, I, you know, um, no, it was for the girls, too. We, you know, when I'm watching Ed Sullivan and you see the reaction of the girls in the audience, you're thinking, you know, it's kind of like what John Lennon said when he said uh, he watched Elvis on the big screen. He's going like, he's watching Elvis sing and and wiggle around on stage and all the girls are reacting. He's going like, you know, that's not a bad career. And I think, um, yeah, you know, and I think the boys at that time, you know, we're we're in junior high now. Uh, We certainly are noticing the girls. And um, I only had one little small moment of confusion. About the same time, uh, Sean Connery came out as James Bond. And so ah. there was a moment where I wasn't quite sure if I, you know, wanted to be one of the Beatles or if I wanted a license to kill. And so <laughs> it ended up being, I was confused for a while, but um, once I got the guitar in my hands, um, my direction went straight toward music. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I guess you weren't, you, were you weren't, my thought is, you know, I guess you weren't that, no longer that five-year-old boy watching the trash truck go by thinking, I want to do that. I want to ride the trash truck. <laughs> yeah, you know? I never did have that phase, but a lot of little boys go through that. They see that guy riding on the back of that truck, and they think, you know, that or a fireman because they see the truck. No, I was, uh, it was, it was baseball. Uh, I lived in the St. Louis area at the time, mm-hmm. and um it was St. Louis Cardinals or basketball, and uh, the St. Louis Hawks were, were in town at that time, or football Cardinals. So, no, it was more sports with me. And um, mm-hmm. But uh, I had a buddy that had a guitar in the seventh grade, and one of the first things uh, he showed me was uh, a song by the Shantays called Pipeline. And he mm-hmm. taught me that little run at the beginning and the little licks, and I kind of picked it out myself. And then it was just shortly after that that the Beatles hit, and I kind of flipped over to that uh, genre of music. Mm-hmm. So, so how old were you when you got your guitar? Um, it was my uh, end of my seventh grade year, and my parents. Okay, just uh, just in were, time, yeah. Yeah, so I started getting uh, uh, a little bit of of talent, and and but I was self taught and. Um, I remember performing uh, for my uh, eighth grade class, uh, music class. Mm-hmm. I performed a song called Ghost Riders in the Sky. I have no idea where that song came from. I think it was from a Ventures album that I heard, and I could pick it out myself. So that was my first performance with uh, with a guitar. And um, when I Were got you self-taught to... Were self-taught or did you have lessons? No, I was self-taught completely. Okay. 
Um, yeah, and it was harder back then because today you have YouTube and you can learn just about anything on YouTube. As a matter of fact, I still use YouTube for, to go like, you know, I wonder how that's played. Um, but when I got to be a freshman in high school, there were a group of sophomores had formed a band and they needed another guitarist. They needed a lead guitar player. And mm-hmm. these sophomores asked this this low freshman to be in their band. And wow. um, I, yeah, I was I was pretty impressed. Uh, I was impressing other, at least in my mind, I was impressing. Other wow, people. you were the George but, Harrison know, of of the band. I. I was, I was, and uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't think, you know, your first time I've ever, you've ever made that connection. I was the youngest, and, and I played lead guitar, and yeah, I, we, yeah, we see, got, see, I got one of those minds that thinks like that. I, that's great. Uh, I, I ended up meeting George's sister, uh, and that's a, that'll be saved for later, but uh, she wanted to sign my guitar, and I'll tell, I'll save that story for when, when we can work it in, but uh, this high school band, um, uh, we we got pretty tight and got good. We played for just a lot of things, and um, and so uh, it was just a, that was the start of my music uh, quote profession. I never played professionally, but um, was always in a band and starting in high school. And so um, your your uh, our uh, our acquaintance uh, Terry Crane. And mm-hmm. I um, were in a band for about 10 years together. Um, and so um, I can tell you a little bit about that later also. Okay. Okay. So so you're in a band, first year of high school, and, you know, the Beatles the Beatles came on tour, you know, 64, 65. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was stopping you from going to see them then? You didn't see them until 66. But they didn't come to St. Louis until 66. St. Louis oh. is – is considered a small cow town compared to New York or mm-hmm. <laughs> Los Angeles. So we're in the middle of the country there, and certainly we're not Chicago either. I think the Beatles were in Chicago uh, prior to 66. So um, I had to wait till 66, and um, when they, this radio station that played Beatles music then was a station called KXOK, and they had a DJ there by the name of Johnny Rabbit and and others. But um, that's how, really, I became familiar with the Beatles. And they finally made it in 66. It was, uh, I believe, August the 21st, 1966. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to go right into the experience there? Because sure. My sure. experience, Listen, you know. Well, I like to know, well, first, well, let me back up for a second. I mean, were you hoping to see the Beatles, you know, in 64 and 65? They're touring around. I mean, I don't get a lot of a lot of men, you know, on my show. So it's always nice to see, to hear about what they were thinking at the time. I mean, obviously you went for the haircut and the boots. And I hear from the guys that the boots were a big <laughs> thing and the a lot of them had yes. to hide them from their parents, you know. Uh, my mom and, took me to buy my pair of boots. Okay, so so I mean, did you sit sit back and think, wow, when are they coming to St. Louis, or you know, why can't I go to Chicago and see them, or anything like that, or was it just you know, sit and wait when they, you know, finally announced? You know, no, I I. I don't ever recall having those feelings of I wish they would come here because I've just got to see them. I think what happened being, a, a, you know, by this time I'm 14 or so when I'm in the band in high school, and I think um, the feelings I had was um, I, I'm I'm in my own little world there. Uh, school was always 
relatively easy for me. So I can mm-hmm. invest a lot of time with my buddies playing music. And I was also uh, really heavy into tennis and uh, at that time. So between those two activities, tennis and guitar and performing, um, I, uh, I really didn't worry too much about seeing the Beatles. It was almost like I was a Beatle uh, playing mm-hmm. in a band, and, and I was getting my fix that way. Uh, it wasn't until they started advertising on KXOK uh, mm-hmm. that the Beatles were going to come to town. And, and I think they were they were sponsored by a, um, uh, a company called Sticks, Bayer, and Fuller. It was kind of like a big department-type store. Mm-hmm. And I think also 7-Up sponsored them or something like that. But I I talked to my parents about it, and my mom goes, yeah, sure. So they sent off for tickets. They, we um, took my brother, myself. My brother's a year younger than me. And uh, we took the drummer in my high school band. Um, so uh, at that time, I was a sophomore, and the, the three of us uh, went up there. My parents took us up mm-hmm. and uh, dropped us off at uh, Bush Stadium is where we were. And I took the, I took the privilege of getting onto your, your site, uh, your uh, mm-hmm. Beatle Freaks site, and, um, mm-hmm. because I was going like, wow. How long is this interview going to be, and what kind of questions mm-hmm. do you ask? And um, I did notice that a couple of uh, people had the same price tickets that I had. They were about five dollars and fifty cents, something mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. they were front row. Yeah. They were front row seats. Really? Mm-hmm. You got front row. I was within the first. They were field bots. It was in Bush Stadium, and so mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was probably the first. Three rows. I mean, you're right there on the yeah. field. Right. Uh, the right. stage was set up. Yeah, the stage was set up between first base and second. Uh huh. So you know, it's not like you're, it's not like you can reach out and touch them, but you're pretty close. Pretty cl- closer than the people up there in those nosebleed seats, you know. Um, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, because I've, I've had a number of nosebleed guests on talking about being all the way up there at the very top. Um, you well, know, my experience is a little different. Yeah, my experience is different simply because on that particular night, on mm-hmm. August the 21st, it had been raining all day long. And mm-hmm. when when we got to our seats, it was still drizzling. And we found out later that um, – and, and I think there were less than 30,000 people at Bush Stadium. That, that stadium held about 50,000. Um, mm-hmm. But it was simply because of the rain, and the weather was poor. So they had about, uh, if I, I, can't, I can't quite remember, it was in the upper 20s, perhaps, 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. But I do remember reading uh, later that John Lennon did not want to perform. He just, he wanted to cancel because he was afraid he would get electrocuted on the stage. And, and in reality... Back mm-hmm. in those days, uh, you know, the equipment on a on a stage that's wet had a leaky roof, and who knows what what could have happened. But he probably wasn't um, too far off, too far off on his concerns. <laughs> right. And the second thing I remember is that we could hear every song because the crowd wasn't as big, um, ah. and we were right up up front anyway. So we pretty much heard every song. I, I know uh, when I read read a lot of reviews. A lot of the uh, fans say that they couldn't hear the songs because of all the screaming. So um, mm-hmm. there weren't. It wasn't a sold-out house. It might have been sold out. There wasn't a, a sold-out crowd there, 
and that allowed me to hear pretty much everything they were singing, even though it was through some pretty poor speakers um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a PA system. But it was it was more back then of, hey, look, it's the Beatles, and I'm actually seeing them. And we weren't worried that much about the quality of the sound. And for it to be, yeah, and, and for, for it to be coming through the PA system in 1966 mm-hmm. was a big deal. I mean, you know, who would have expected mm-hmm. it to be what it is today? You know, where it's you know you can blow out your eardrums in a third row of a concert yeah. um, in a venue. Um, so you know you. Are you guys playing it cool? Are you just sitting back with your seat feet up on the seats in front of you? Are you standing up and cheering, screaming? I mean, how how are you reacting to these Beatles while they're playing? Well, no, I think I'm because we could hear everything, and because uh-huh. I was, at that time I was a beginner musician, mm-hmm. I was interested in just listening to the vocals and um, mm-hmm. just just. You know, I was trying to take note of every little detail of the Beatles themselves. You know, and what are they wearing? And I remember seeing McCartney's bass, and and um, you know, I I think at that time they were uh, the most of the uh, guitar parts were played on Epiphones. John and George had uh, matching Epiphones, but mm-hmm. also George had his uh, Rickenbacker in there, and just looking at Ringo's drum set. And it was just, you know, it was just kind of a special time at, at that point. Um, so I was, in particular, um, just trying to listen. And, uh, you know, one of the songs uh, I do remember is where they start off with Nowhere Man, just the army uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning. And I, I also remember, um, and I hope I don't, I don't have this wrong, but Paperback Rider stands out in my mind because I liked that song. And I believe that song was released in the summer of 66 or early on in 66 and that was one of the mm-hmm. songs they performed I thought, oh this is really cool they're playing stuff i actually you know have been listening to just recently so uh it mm-hmm. was an experience that i i didn't jump up and scream and hoot and holler and i don't think most of the guys did that i knew of um mm-hmm. my brother didn't our drummer didn't we were just kind of like hey this is cool we're seeing the beatles mm-hmm. um so was your band, I mean, was it a cover band or was it originals? Yeah. Every band I've been in has been a cover band, and people ask me if I write my own songs. I'm like, well, yeah. But I said, what would you rather hear, something by Lennon and McCartney or something by Barrazo? And they're like, yeah, okay, good point. So, um, <laughs> no, we're, we always a cover band, and um, uh, I, I – do I have time? You can cut this out if you, yeah, if you you're, want. You but, just keep talking. We're uh, doing okay. Okay. So uh, I substitute teach. I, I was a teacher, and then I became a principal. Uh, and mm-hmm. when I retired, I moved to Boise, Idaho area, and there's a school, high schools here. And um, they always call me because I have this experience in education, and they want people like me in their schools as substitutes. Well, Mm-hmm. One high school keeps calling me back and back and back, and they look at me as one of their faculty members. But every time I'm there, um, if we have a couple of minutes left over before the classes, the kids always ask me because they know I, I play guitar. I'm like, play something. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, okay. I said, what do you want me to play? And for some reason, they are always requesting Love Potion Number 9. And last year, I said, you know what? Every time I'm tired of doing this song, I'm going to, play you a song that I wrote but I need your help and they went oh okay 
Well, now you're going to know and your listeners are going to know already when I describe this, where I'm going with this. But I said, now, I said, students, during part of the song, I'm going to be singing, hold me, and I want you to clap twice. Love me, and I want you to clap twice. <laughs> and they went, okay. So I started playing and singing eight days a week. And when we got to the... When we got to the, the 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 bridge, they would clap and they were and they was this is like great and so and I got done with the song and they all looked at me and said, you know that's not really too bad. I said, well it ought to be pretty good. And Lennon and McCartney wrote it to the Beatles and they just looked at me and went, "Bears hell, you're pathetic." And so, but but I well, think funny, that you, you know we're we're of the opinion how could you not know the song. Well, you know? you know what? I was lucky because most of the students in there are really big Beatle fans. Uh, this was a international baccalaureate school, so they're kind of, um, pardon me if anybody from uh, Renaissance High School hears this, but they're kind of eggheads. So, but they'll walk <laughs> around with Beatles shirts on. And uh, I'm, some of them would have known the song, but I was lucky that I had this particular class. Had no clue that. Um, Jim Berzo didn't write eight days a week. So, but that that just proves my point. Do you want to hear Lyndon McCartney, or do you want to hear some song I came up with, you know, singing in the shower? I don't think so. <laughs> oh wow! So so, um, you know, was as as a young guy when the Beatles, uh, you know, how 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 were you feeling as as the different albums were coming out, each one? as, you know, Revolver, Sgt. Peppers, and, you know, as they were changing along the way. I mean, the girls were getting upset or they were getting married or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I guess I'll ask you, I know you weren't upset about them getting married. You're probably relieved as a guy, like, finally, maybe this will end the hysteria and the girls look at me, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But, no, I, you know, first of all, I didn't know John Lennon was married, but uh – -huh. um, you know, the, the big rumor early on was, were the Beatles bald or not? Was this a real, real hair? <laughs> and, you know, I can remember, like, going, huh, because I used to collect the, the bubblegum card uh -huh. versions, you know, the little Beatle cards. Right. And so I can remember looking at some of their pictures, seeing the back of their head, going, like, you know what, that looks like real hair to me. I don't know what everybody's talking about. So... You know, that crisis was, was over with in about two seconds with me. Uh, as far as them being married, it didn't really affect me that much. It didn't bother me whether they were married or not. I kind of liked the idea, and I hate to say this, but I kind of liked the idea that they weren't married because that's the situation I was in, of course. I'm in high school. Right. You, want, you, want, you want to be like them, so as long as they're yes. not married. Yeah, you know, and you want, they're yeah, heroes, you know. You know? Well, yeah, and you know, if if you're married, you you really shouldn't have uh, ten thousand girls chasing you down the street, and that's mm -hmm. that was my mind view. But it's kind of cool; they're not married. You know, they can mm -hmm. they can do what they want to do and have fun, and this is the life of a bachelor. And so mm -hmm. it didn't really bother me one way or the other if they were married or not married. And as as they got older, and as I got older, um, as they all found a wife and and got married and eventually started going their own way, um, you know, I just kind of looked at it as that's life. Uh, you know, what would you expect? They gave us 10 years of, of right. a lot of joy here, and um, that's kind of the way I looked at it. Yeah, how about the evolution of the albums? Were you at any point, you know, was there, you know, oh, this album, you know, where what are they doing, you know? Did you ever just... No. Yeah. You, you I, just, I was you enamored. Like 
Yeah, I'm a Beatles fan. Uh, you know, uh, there were some songs I didn't care for. I thought, well, oh, that's not you know, one of, uh, uh, an easy one to throw out is number nine. Uh, mm-hmm. The, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I think I might have listened to that once. Uh, but most of the stuff I really liked. I just, you know, I, I liked the way they progressed. I um, will be honest with you. If somebody said you're stuck on an island, you can only listen to, uh, you know, early, middle, or late Beatles. What would it be? And it would, without a doubt, be early Beatles. I love the the um, catchy phrasing. I, I love the the music, and I love the the concept of these are just love songs. Uh, how can you not like them? They're all right. basically love songs. And mm-hmm. that's way, that's, you know, the first time I heard them, I want to hold your hand and she loves you and all of these. And I just fell in love with those. And they are the foundation of why I began liking the Beatles. Now, the later albums, like, you know, Abbey Road, I, I absolutely love that also. So uh, I liked, I liked the progression and, mm-hmm. um, I think you know, as as Beatles fans mature, uh, we matured right along with with the Beatles and and uh, learned to, you know, we learned to progress right along with the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you said what what was what was it you were uh, what kind of teacher were you what did your what was your major in school? Um, I have a kind of a crazy major. I have uh, government history with science. Um, so oh, really? I also taught science, I taught government history, yeah. Uh, uh, biology. Okay, okay so, cuz I wanted to know what I'm kind good. of teacher is sitting there playing songs for their students. I mean, you know, well, you uh, know. a Beatles fan teacher. Yeah, anyone right. that's a Beatles fan. I uh, early on in my career, I always had a guitar and when I was a teacher, I had a guitar in my room and at noontime I would be playing songs, so I'd be playing Beatles songs and the kids would want to come in and have lunch with in my room and they just mm-hmm. they generally sit on one side of the room so they could sit there and chit chat but they'd listen to me play and even as a principal I had a, a guitar in my office simply because you spend a long day in the office you get there early in the morning and you don't leave till late at night and so when I would have a break I just go like okay I'm shutting my door don't anybody bother me I'm going to relax for a few minutes so uh, that was that was my uh, philosophy of trying to survive through a long career. Just yeah, it's time to time to zone out, go into your own little zone. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, with music. Um, as a yeah, as a uh, as <laughs> as a principal of a school, I was a principal of a school that uh, had about uh, 750 students. So it was a K through eight school, and uh, the teachers would would give me a call and be like, hey, you know, I've been telling my students if they meet this goal or that goal or if they're well-behaved, we would have the principal come down and give them a little mini concert. And I, you know, you really meant to twist my arm very much to get me to do that. So <laughs> I would do that, you know. So part of my job as a principal is go down and give concerts to the first graders or whatever it might be. <laughs> just, uh, you know, I tried to combine my career with my, hobbies and my interests mm-hmm. and it's it's kept me sane all these years uh so you talk about your bands and how you were in your first band in at 14 what was the name of the band well okay this, this and is going to get edgy Beatles covers uh yes we did uh, uh 
we did do some Beatle covers. But it was like Twist mm-hmm. and Shout. It was some of the easier mm-hmm. stuff. Um, the the name of our band, uh, we started off with The Knights, and I think we realized somewhere along the way there was already a band, you know, like The Shadow of Knights. And, uh, so we also... So I got out a map of England, and mm-hmm. I was, because we were like British invasion stuff, you know, so I'm mm-hmm. looking at a map of England, and I see this region of England called Essex. And I thought, mm-hmm. the Essex, that's kind of, uh, that's cool sounding. Plus, mm-hmm. and if you have little kids in the room, it's time to cover their ears. Plus, it had the word sex in it. So I thought that was pretty edgy, the Essex. And right, there you go. The Essex. Yeah, there we go. That's pathetic, yeah, I know, but I was in a, high school. Yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> high school boy for you. <laughs> there you go. There you right, go. Not to say the girls now, the girls wouldn't do it, you know, nowadays. They, they know. wouldn't have noticed. No one even noticed it. It was just me, and I, and I mentioned the band guys. They're like, yeah, that's cool. They didn't really care all that much. It was my job to pick a new name, and we did. And that's where we went with it. So that's how we right. ended up with I mean, the Essex. you know, it, it pretty much sounds like the of why the bare naked ladies called themselves the bare naked ladies because you know, <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> now the yeah the other band I was in with Terry, um, we started off calling ourselves Union Jack, and mm-hmm. again we were kind of a, a cover band. I think uh, our lead singer would come out and say, you know, we we play uh, all this British invasion music of people that are dead or should be dead. And, you know, like, uh, so we would do stuff like that. We eventually um, started playing a lot more 50s and, um, well, just 50s and 60s combined. So we changed our name from Union Jack to Johnny Velvet and the Velours. And, um, yeah, <laughs> oh and so our, yeah, Johnny Velvet, and we, we, Does, we were Johnny snappy Velvet dressers. Did Johnny have costumes? We had white, we wore, of course, we wore white jackets, um, ties, white shirts, ties, black pants, black shoes. I wore beetle. I still had some beetle boots that I wore. And uh-huh. um, yeah, we, we were we were pretty snazzy looking. We played mostly for, um, all of us worked at uh, John A. Logan College in, in Carterville, Illinois. And mm-hmm. Terry, Terry was an administrator there. Um, our lead singer, singer uh, Bob Fester, he was Johnny Velvet, um, mm-hmm. was a te- was a was a um, faculty. Uh, he was an advisor there, and he also mm-hmm. taught there. And then we, the other members of the band, uh, worked there also. And I was um, principal at the time still, and but I was a term faculty member. I taught class there in the evening, and um, so, so we. So was an educators um, band. Is this a bunch of teachers you're talking about? Yeah, we. I, I'm not sure if we all had our master's degree, but we claimed at some point that we were the smartest or most educated band in the country. And then later, I find out there's some band somewhere that all the members had their PhDs. So we got knocked off of that um, make-believe perch that we had. Now, the one uh, story that I want to tell you about Johnny Velvet is we performed for a Beatles. Um, Oh, it was uh, a Beatles celebration of some kind. It was there at the college, and mm-hmm. um, they invited Louise Harrison, was there, George's sister, and she mm-hmm. lived in the area at the time. And mm-hmm. I, uh, being such a fanatical Beatles fan, I had a Rickenbacker guitar that was just like George Harrison's, and I had a, a, a Vox amplifier like 
like it was called a, an AC30. And anyhow, I played uh, I played all the lead parts to the Beatles songs that we played. And so after the concert, uh, and, and who plays the lead for the Beatles? George. So after the concert, Louise comes backstage and she's talking to us, and she looks at me and goes, "You know, you you uh, sounded really good. Your band is is wonderful." But, you know, since you played all of George's parts, if you would like, I would love to sign your guitar. And I had to be polite. It's an expensive guitar. And, mm-hmm. and I had to be polite. And I was thinking, like, well, you know, um, instantly through my brain, I thought, look, you're Louise Harrison. If you were George Harrison, I'd let you sign it, but not Louise Harrison. So I politely declined because I, I mean, if she signed it, I have to use my guitar anyway to to, to playing gigs and it would smear but I think if George Harrison were alive at that time and he signed my guitar it'd be hanging up on my wall right now but uh, not Louise Harrison as nice as yes. she is yes she is she's she's very sweet and I was just talking yes. about uh, her on another episode and the fact that she's turning 90 this year um, uh, I didn't know that yeah she's, we, she's we, still yeah we met her in St. Louis um the, there were three of uh, Bob Fester, Johnny Velvet, Terry, and I were going to go up to see Chuck Berry mm-hmm. uh, somewhere around his 70th birthday or something like that. And he uh, owned a restaurant called Blueberry Hill in St. Louis. And then I think once a month he would go he had, downstairs below the restaurant. He had a stage uh, down there. And you'd go and um, buy tickets and uh, you just pulled up a chair. I, I remember one, the three of us went down there to see Chuck Berry, and we're standing in line. The, the line had to be 100 yards long, but we were right, right up front by the door mm-hmm. waiting to get in. And uh-huh. we had a little bit of a, a Beatlemania moment. Someone from way back in the crowd went, hey, look, it's Johnny Velvet and the Velours. And we turned around and smiled at each other and gave a little wave. So... <laughs> It wasn't quite wow. Beatlemania. It wasn't Johnny Velour mania, but it was close. So we'll take that. Uh, when, when was but this? Go, what year was this? About? Uh, well, you know, I was in the band with those guys from nine, 1995 to 2004. So it was maybe around 2000. So you had to have been pretty big in that area then. Well, not, not, I mean, if only were, three, you know, if, if if only one person in that line yelled out, "Hey, it's Johnny Velvet," and the Lord's we weren't that big, but people knew us. You, <laughs> people, well, usually, a lot of times there's a, there's even you know within a city or a region, a band yeah. that you know everybody knows. You always know the yeah. you know the big local band, whether I, they make it big or not. They're you know. Well, I think uh, when we were in St. I mean, we were in St. Louis getting ready to see Chuck Berry. I think what happened, we were well known in Southern Illinois. So okay. I mean, we were a good, we were we were a popular band in Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say, I remember one time we were playing for a college event, and we were going to be the third band on stage, and it was for a college crowd. And I remember we were sitting there, we were going to just sit there and wait and wait our turn but I remember the first band came on and they played uh, and Johnny Velvet looks at me and goes these guys you know no one's dancing no one's doing anything second band comes up same thing and right when they're 
uh, taking their stuff down, he looks at me and goes like, we're going to make this place rock. And mm. we did. So uh, it was fun being, it was just one of those experiences that, you know, meeting Terry and meeting Bob and, and having 10 years together with them. Um, we traveled up to Chicago a lot to go see um, the Fest for Beatle fans. It was originally called Beatle Fest, and I think the Beatles or someone, Apple, Apple. threatened to sue them if they didn't change Apple yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they had to change it from the Beatle Fest to the Fest for Beatle fans. Mm-hmm. And um, we would we we went up there uh, the three of us a, a lot many many years in a row where we um, uh, met you know I, we we met Pete Best and um, just you know anyone that was associated with the Beatles I'm sure you you have a you have a fest for Beatles fans out there in New Jersey I think also or somewhere around yeah there. they'd um, like to call it the New York Metro it's in North Jersey. <laughs> Near the refineries, oh, okay. but yeah. you know, it's, it's there it's, is that's... one story that I have. To, there is Go one ahead. story I have to tell you about Terry. Uh, mm-hmm. Terry and I, um, after uh, we, we went up there one year, and we get to we get to Chicago, and uh, Klaus Vorman was going to be there, and so we would always look at we always go like, okay, who do we want our picture with, and get his autograph. Well, Klaus Vorman, you got to get his, you got to have your picture taken with him. And right. you got to get his autograph. So we're standing in line and um, waiting to go into the room where Klaus is going to be. And there's a bunch of girls. We were like the first two in line. So it was a bunch of girls standing there, and they start talking to us. And they start asking questions, and then I had to drop the line. Well, I saw the Beatles in concert. Well, that did it. They They went crazy, and... Eventually, one of them asked me for my autograph, and <laughs> Terry is like shaking his head, like "You got to be kidding me!" They're asking what is going on, and her uh, rationale for this was that she wanted to get an autograph of, uh, of a person from every single Beatle concert uh, in 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 America. I'm thinking well, that's going to be a, a daunting task, but. So this girl asked me for an hour. Well, within five minutes, here comes Klaus Vorman, and he walks in, and he looks at me, and he takes a double take. He stops and looks at me and goes, oh, it's great seeing you again. And he goes over and sits down, and, and Terry, now he's about to lose it by, by now because here <laughs> girls are asking for my autograph, and Klaus Vorman thinks he knows me. And so he's going, oh, brother, this is too much for me to take, so. We had some fun moments there, and, and that was certainly one of them. Uh, did, I guess you got to clear it up with Klaus, that you, or did you just let that roll? No, that? no, no. I went over there. I've got a great picture of him. He's got his arm around me, and he's looking at me like he, I'm his long-lost brother. It was, it's hilarious. And uh, at that time, he what he did was he had, had has these um, – they're like postcards with uh, the revolver cover on them since he designed that. And mm-hmm. he would like, you know, two two Jim from Klaus or Klaus Warman or however he signed it. But mm-hmm. no, he I, I I never did tell him I don't have any clue as to who you are. I mean, I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was, but I didn't. I you know, I wanted him to at least think he still knew me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because it was funny. Because I, I did, the funny thing is, is that I went onto your Facebook page just to get a look, you know, see see uh-huh. to see which you know see what you look like and. 
and you know, I was looking around because I, you know, and I did a little search to find Beatles to, you know, find out more information about you and and going to see the Beatles, and you know, kind of also tells me how much of a Beatles fan you are by how much you talk about them on your Facebook page. But I, I well, actually went back and I, I kept, I kept, I, yeah, I kept looking at your picture, and I kept going back, mm-hmm. and it was one of these familiar things, right? And I'm like looking at mm-hmm. the picture. Finally, <laughs> I was like, oh, he looks like Mike Wolf from American No, don't say Theater. that. Please don't say that. <laughs> now, that's when I – are you looking at my profile? My profile picture, I've got short hair, and I'm, I'm actually at Crater Lake in, in Oregon. And I uh-huh. think you know, that's what I look like now. I was at a Beetle Fest. I uh-huh. don't know which one. I've been to about 20 of them, or not that many Terry has. But right. I was at a Beetle Fest, and I was down at their, their – where they sell all, you know, all the – all the stuff that you can get, uh, beetle shirts and so, mm-hmm. and some guy I had I had I have a um, blue jean jacket with beetles patches all over it, mm-hmm. and at that time my hair was a lot longer and I had that kind of Mike Wolf haircut, and someone looked at me and goes like, Hey, you're the guy from the Pickers, and I went, uh, No, I'm I'm not, but yeah, I've been mistaken for Mike Wolf of American Pickers, if that's who you're referring to. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's where Klaus. Maybe he's a fan of the Pickers. I don't. Know. <laughs> you know, I think that was actually before the Pickers came out. <laughs> well, you know, when you look at the Pickers, they've actually been around for over twenty seasons. I, that always surprises yeah. me when I look at when yeah. I look at their when I when I you know look scanning the channels and the shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it sounds like you know you and your Beatles life has has kind of followed you. You know followed you throughout your years and you know uh when you were with terry I, and that did you you at right. Beatles covers i know he oh he wrote a book. Uh, yeah we did a lot of them yes we he wrote a book and we 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 did a lot of Beatle covers and um um you know um as a matter of fact we would start off each gig i uh, with chuck berry's slash but we played the beatles version of rollover beethoven so we would always start every gig with rollover beethoven and just get the crowd going so mm-hmm. yeah you know we played a lot of Beatles songs and it's quite enjoyable and and now whenever i substitute teach all i almost exclusively uh play a Beatles song for the kids and uh they seem to like it but i do have to say you said you were looking over my my uh, facebook page right and mm-hmm. i you know, I don't, I don't know what I have on there that relates to the Beatles. However, um, I will say that when I get around to telling you my Beatle experience in St. Louis, I have cut back on sharing my Beatle experience because I'm going to be a little bit of a different interview. Yep, I have this Beatle experience. I got within about 10 feet of the Beatles, mm-hmm. and... And then I'll tell you why I don't share it as much as you would think. And so when we get to that point, when you're ready for that, I'll, oh, I'll I'm ready fill you for on it. that. Let, let, let's, well, let's, okay. let's hear it. Well, so, so basically it's this. You know, I told you that we had um, – we were right down on the field to see the Beatles, and mm-hmm. you know, they played, I think it was 11 songs. And um, uh, it was rainy. So usually what they were going to do is – I think they had the circle was there. I think their hit at the time was Red Rubber Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Bobby Hebb um, was there. I think mean, he sang Sonny. 
Um, the Ronettes were there, and I don't even remember what was popular at the time uh, when they were out. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, a, a backup band called the Remains or something was there, I think. But anyway, so the normal procedure was these these bands would come on first, and they you know like warm the crowd up, and then the Beatles mm-hmm. would come on. That would be the, the but they did it in reverse because as I said, it was rainy and. They were afraid it was going to be a big downpour. It, when the Beatles, they brought the Beatles on because the rain had let up and it was just a little mm-hmm. bit of a mist, grizzly. So they put the Beatles on, mm-hmm. and when the Beatles were finished playing, uh, it was in uh, Bush Stadium, and you could see Bush, you could see through Bush Stadium. And when the Beatles went off and the other bands started coming on, I noticed that on the other side of the stadium, um, mm-hmm. there were like 50 police cars over there. And the entire stadium emptied out onto uh, – they just emptied to that side of the stadium. They wanted to get a close-up of the Beatles. And I looked at my brother and uh, and Chuck Roberts, who was with us. I said, you know, we ought to go over there because maybe we'll get a, a, a real good view of the Beatles. And, and my brother goes, nah, because it's going to be too crowded. He goes, let's forget it. I said, yeah, you're right. So we went out the back of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bush Stadium has, like most stadiums, they have these ramps that go down. You know, you kind of circle the outside of the stadium. Well, we were almost off the ramp and onto the street. We were just a couple of feet above the street, uh, right. above mm-hmm. the sidewalk. There was not a soul in sight. And there was a door about probably 10 feet from us. So mm-hmm. we're standing there, and I'm, we're just kind of looking at the street, waiting for my parents to come and take us up. Well, what happens is a, a black limousine pulls up. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a Cadillac, a big black Cadillac pulls up, and that door that was about 10 feet away from us opens up, and the Beatles walk right out, just right in front of us, just boom, 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 all four of them, walked out, and we're going like, oh, it's the Beatles, and, uh, you know, and there wasn't a soul there, just us, and uh, they they uh, got into the car, and, you know, being uh, that age, you saw one, and, and I remember, I I, I visualized where each of them sat in the car, and uh-huh. and the car took off. It drove, um, it went straight uh, toward Interstate 70. There was a stoplight there that was red. Mm-hmm. They ran the, the, the stoplight. It, went, mm-hmm. it was red. They went through a red stoplight, took a left, and went to Lambert Airport. And the next day in the newspaper, it said, the Beatles escape Bush Stadium in two police cars. And we just looked at each other and went, oh, no, they didn't. It was just one <laughs> black limousine. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of a fun little little uh, point. So uh, as a matter of fact, I have a book that I bought. It's called Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the summer of 66. And if I re- recall correctly, it mentions that they were in two police cars, but I, that was reported by like the St. Louis Post Dispatch or something like that. But it was funny, mm-hmm. like, no, they didn't. Where'd they get that? <laughs> and so, so, so that was my that was our experience. You know, the, well, I, well, wait, wait, it wait, was wait, kind of, you tell why you don't tell it anymore. I want to I want to ask you a couple questions. I mean, yes. you know, the silly questions about it. Uh, you you know that we who were you know barely two <laughs> years old at the time want to know. Um, so I mean. Do you, are you just gobsmacked as they walk out this door? You don't say anything? Are you just like choked or what? I mean, it, it literally you... was. No, because we, 
Uh, well, I, you know, they they did kind of look around, so I'm sure they they didn't look at us. But I mean, I'm sure you know in their peripheral vision, they saw. No, when it came out, they were so close, but it was like, what? You didn't know what to say. It was like we all looked at each other, and it was like we're all looking. It's not like, hey, look, the Beatles. I think I did say that. I said, hey, look. The Beatles and uh, <laughs> and everybody was like, "Whoa!" And but there was only like three of us there, and there might have been a you know I'm sure there's probably somebody else up higher than us that saw you know coming down the same route, but mm-hmm. there was no one on the street between the door and the street. Probably between the door and the street was a good thirty or forty yards. So that's why they did what they did. You know, they, they didn't want to get mobbed by a crowd, and they put all those police cars on the other side of the stadium as a little, um, you know, yeah, draw the crowd, a lure over there. The people are going to come out here, and they came out right by where we were just waiting, and uh, it was kind of a fun little moment. No, we were. It, it was. It was the cherry on top of the uh, of the uh, the Sunday that we we had because. First of all, we were excited. We saw the Beatles in concert. Mm-hmm. We could hear them. But then to have them just walk by us, no interaction between us and them, but to have mm-hmm. them that close, it was like, whoa, this is really special. And um, so, no, that's uh, we were flabbergasted and excited, and that kind of overshadowed the uh, the concert for a few days. You know, like, hey, they walked right mm-hmm. by us. It was kind of cool. Right but now, it's it's not not quite as exciting. The as, there is a book. There's a book about the Beatles in St. Louis, um, mm-hmm. written by and I'm Sarah. I'm blanking on her name. I'm sorry, Sarah. I I, I met I, her. I met her. And does she get the story right? Because I I read the book, but I can't remember. Does she? Did she know that, or had she talked to you? Does she know that the Beatles snuck through <sighs> different doors? Uh, she certainly has to because I, uh, I I read her. She does have a little paragraph or chapter or a page in there with my Harry interview. In it. Okay. Yeah, and I I think I can't even remember where I'm at. I think I met her in Chicago. I think I think I can't remember. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've forgotten that I'm in that book. Uh, <laughs> she, but she did interview me and talk to me, and uh, I'm I, I gave her the same story, so it. Uh, I don't remember what she wrote about me, but um, if she wrote down what I told her, that's the story she should have gotten. Okay, okay. I didn't know if she didn't. As I said, I, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, it was a while, you know, several years ago that I that I uh, yes. read her and, and reviewed her book. So I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if she had. Uh, if she had gotten the story straight, because as you said, you know, all the papers and everything. So why why do you stop telling this story? Well, okay. This 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 is what's going to separate my story from the 41 other interviews that you have done, I think. Okay. Um, so um, years later, I'm a teacher, and um, a buddy of mine who um, uh, taught with me, he we're at a uh, teacher's meeting someplace. Um, mm-hmm. and he's going like, hey, see that see that lady over there. So, yeah, he goes, she is a huge Beatles fan. Why don't you tell her during our break, why don't you tell her your story of how you saw them in St. Louis, especially the part about how you, they walked right by you. I said, yeah, okay. So after, um, on our break, uh, he, he introduces me to her, 
And I and she goes, I hear you're a Beatles fan. I said, yeah. I, she goes, I, I hear you saw them in St. Louis. So I said, yes. So here's what happened. And I told her how we had, you know, front row seats and and then at the end when they walked by us. And she listened to my whole story and she was like just gazing into my eyes like, oh, this is so cool. And she was so polite. And then when I was done, she goes, you know, this reminds me of when my husband worked for Capitol Records in Atlanta. And I, it didn't, I mean, as soon as she said that, it was like somebody hit me with a wet fish in the head. I thought, oh, boy, <laughs> this is going to be a story. So she goes, yeah, when my, I said, he worked for Capitol Records in Atlanta. She goes, yes. And it was, it was his job. Of course, I went with him. We had to go pick the Beatles up at the airport when they came to Atlanta. And I said, you, you sat in the car with the Beatles? And she goes, oh, yeah. And we had to take him to a party after the concert. We took him to a, a party afterwards. And then after that, we had to take him back to the airport. And I said, did, did you get any souvenirs? She goes, no, not really. But they did sign all of our albums. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. What, what kind of pathetic story did I tell her? And she was, she got all the Beatles to sign her albums and sat in the car and talked to them. I was like, oh. So, so I, after that was all over, I said, you know, I, I'm, that's it. I mean, I, you never know who you're going to talk to. I'm never going to tell my pathetic little story again. Oh, so oh, that's not years, true. You have a great, you have yeah. a great story though. That well, is, no, that, let me finish. You know, I, I, I'm not. No, I'm not done. Oh, I'm not even close to done yet. <laughs> so I moved to Meridian, Idaho. It's it's uh-huh. it's uh, it's not a suburb of Boise, but there's uh-huh. one street that separates Boise uh-huh. and Meridian. So I'm at a Walmart in in uh, Boise, uh, uh-huh. and I, this this was a number of years ago. So I I moved here in 2012. So it was sometime uh-huh. after that. The, the Capitol Record or uh, Apple came out with some kind of a new compilation of Beatles stuff mm-hmm. that hadn't previously been heard or So I'm at Walmart and I find it, and it just came out that day. And I mm-hmm. take it up to the checkout. There was no one in the store. I don't know why. And there was a little bitty sweet little old lady behind the counter, and she looks mm-hmm. at my CD and she goes, "Oh, do you like the Beatles?" I said, "Oh yeah, I I've, I love the Beatles." I said, "Are you a Beatles fan?" She goes, "Oh." I just love the Beatles. And then I had the idea, you know, I'll tell her my story. So <laughs> I said, you know, I saw them in concert. She goes, oh, you did? And I said, well, when she answered that way, I had to tell the whole story. And when right. I got done with, you know, they walked by us, and, and the next mm-hmm. day in the paper it said this. And I said, and she goes, oh, that's a fabulous story. She goes, you know, um, I was the president of the Beatles fan club in San Francisco, and they were there twice. And because I was the president, when they were in town, I got invited to the press conference twice. And she goes, they had a, like a big table set up. The Beatles are on one side, and I was directly across, sitting at the table with them on the opposite side. And I'm like, what? You, you were across the table? Yeah. She goes, and I've got – they had these um, – the, the, a group photo of them, and twice when they were there, they all four signed their my, my these pictures for me. And I'm going, you you got to be kidding me! You got the Beatles autographs? Yeah, all, twice. And so we met we met for coffee at this coffee house uh-huh. where she brought her Beatles album, and she had I took pictures of her picture of the Beatles autograph. So and I thought this this is too much because I told the story twice. And here, 
Her story, mm-hmm. again, beats my story to a pulp. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a guy, so I never learn lessons. Ringo came to town mm-hmm. and uh, in Boise, and um, I, I get a ticket. And no one went with me, and so I'm, I'm outside about two hours before the concert. Mm-hmm. And this hippie guy comes by. He's on a, he's on a uh, skateboard, and he has a guitar stuck on his back. And mm-hmm. I, I uh, he's skateboarding by. And I yelled at him. I said, "Hey, what kind of guitar have you got?" And he comes over, and he shows me, and and uh, he says, "Oh, play something." So I started playing some Beatles songs. Of course, what else am I going to mm-hmm. play with Ringo there? And it draws a, a little bitty crowd. Well, mm-hmm. here comes this lady on a walker. She comes over and she's listening she goes oh that's just that's wonderful on this this is so nice for a tune-up for Ringo and and uh, I said yeah and she goes uh, how long have you been a Beatles fan and I decided oh, you know what it can't happen it, it's not going to happen again so I told <laughs> this this little lady on a walker my story about St. Louis mm-hmm. and she listened so politely and she goes you know <laughs> I grew up in New York me and my girlfriend lived in New York and when the Beatles came to New York, we skipped school, and we went down to their hotel. I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. And sure enough, she goes, we were looking for the Beatles in their hotel. I guess back in those days, they didn't have the security they have now. Mm-hmm. But she goes, we went, and we got in an elevator. The elevator stops on a certain floor, and she goes, George and Ringo got on the elevator. And she said, we about passed out. Here's George and Ringo in an elevator with us. And she goes, um, uh, George, she goes, her girlfriend is with her. She goes, mm-hmm. uh, so you, if you want to cut this part out, you can, uh, but I'll tell you the story mm-hmm. she told me. She goes, my girlfriend was a blonde-headed girl, and she had a really great shape. She goes, she was really shapely, and George started flirting with her. And <laughs> Ringo's standing there, and George is flirting with my girlfriend. She goes, and I got jealous because I didn't like that George was paying attention to her and not to me. So I looked at George and I said, George, what would, what would Patty say about you flirting with? She goes, I start lecturing him about flirting with someone when he's married. And George <laughs> looks at me. She says, George looks at me in the elevator door open. He goes, oh, okay, let's go, Ringo. Let's get out of here. And they went out the door. So, so sure and that wasn't their friend anymore. No, 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 but but it was funny. She started lecturing George because he was flirting with his, her girlfriend. And uh, she goes, they spent the rest of the day looking for Paul and, and John, but never did find them. So, but anyhow, just so every time I mention this story, somebody just blows my story out of the water. And uh, to me, that makes my story even more enjoyable because people, when I first tell them my story, they go, well, that's pretty cool. But then I tell them the other ones, and they're like, well, okay, your story's not that great. <laughs> so that's, that's going to be my contribution to your, uh, your, uh, your website is that, that I have a story, but it's not anywhere near some of the stories that other people can tell. Oh, but it is a great story, and I'm, I don't have anything to one-up one up you with I really don't I, I don't I don't have a story I wasn't I was no. you know I wasn't I, as I said I was two at the time so I don't have have that close encounter with the Beatles that so many people have had and you know that's why I do the show so that I can listen and hear these stories and I think all the stories are great and everybody has great experiences and you know 
one thing it's kind of the one thing I don't I don't care about and one of the reasons I don't attend a lot of Beatles um Beatles festivals not specifically the Beatles fans cuz I have been there is because I don't like the one-upmanship, you know, I don't want to feel like, you know, well, you haven't met them, you haven't gotten an autograph, you haven't, you know, um, but, you know, your story is unique, and, and it's, it's not like anything else I've heard before, where you got to experience them while everybody else was standing at the other side of a stadium thinking they're escaping in police cars, you know, and they just walk mm-hmm. right on by you and everything, um, so, I really appreciate your story and thank you so much for sharing it with me. And, and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that I don't think that friend is friend of hers. And he, you know, was, you know, <laughs> she had a great opportunity and her, you know, she blew it for a friend, you know, anyway, I know, I know. thank you, Jim, so much for being on the show and, and, uh, keep on playing those Beatles songs for all the youngins and teaching them, you know, I most certainly will. I and you know uh, the uh, luck I've had with trying to brag about me seeing the Beatles and having them walk by me, and then having these three other people just shut me down. I'm halfway expecting you, Jen, to say, "Well, listen, I didn't want to tell you this, but you know, McCartney and I are really good friends. He comes over once a month for dinner or something <laughs> like that." I'm, I'm... Oh, I wish. No, I, I can, I can honestly, okay. I have, I have not had a close encounter with with any Beatles. Um, the closest I could say I got was when I saw uh, his son Jim in concert, mm-hmm. and I got him to sign his CD um, because he does small venues, you know, small little like you know uh, bars or coffee house kind of things and stuff like that. So you know, he would stand around afterwards and sign sign things for people. But that's it. I mean, you know, if I'm going to have my McCartney, I talk about, you know, the possibility of having a McCartney, you know, experience sometime in the future while I talk to all these women who have been on stage with them. That's been, you know, why it's been my, so refreshing uh, to have, have a guy on for, for a while, you know. My so, niece lives in, um, in um, Winter Park, Florida, mm-hmm. and she said that uh, she was standing on a corner. Winter Park is um, anyhow, she said she she hears this guy with this British accent uh, waiting across the street, and she goes, "Why that voice sounds familiar?" She turned around, it was Paul McCartney who was standing there. He apparently um, his his grandson or someone was going to college in the area, and he he built, of course, uh, some kind of a great big condo unit for his for him to go to to live in while he was attending college. There, he would come and visit his grandson. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, you know, she said she she hears this very familiar British voice. Yep. Turns out to be Paul McCartney. So yep. you never know. <clears throat> you never you never know. If you want to hear hear uh, a great story like that, you got a, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to episode number one. There's a story like that. I will. That from... You know what? I'll do that right now. I'm on your site, and so as soon as we hang up, I'll be on episode number one. Episode number one. And until then, thank you everyone for tuning in to episode number 42 of I Saw the Beatles. Talk to you all next week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.